are Locked On Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome into this Friday edition here at Locked On Saints, brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ross Jackson here at Ross Jackson NOLA on Twitter, editor over at CanalStreetChronicles.com, your host covering your New Orleans Saints every single Monday through Friday. On today's episode, the final episode of the week, let's start off with another return for New Orleans as the Saints bring back, I guess you can call him now defensive back, PJ Williams. We'll talk about the signing and the deal. Was it a good move or not? Why would the Saints bring him back? We'll talk about all of that then. We'll continue on with our prospect watch per round. This time, let's look at linebacker, wide receiver, and offensive line in the third round today. And then we're going to wrap it up with your questions from the Locked on Saints Facebook group, talking linebackers, third quarterback on the Saints roster, Alvin Kamara extension, and much, much more. We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints, your team every day. The New Orleans Saints bring back cornerback P.J. Williams on a one-year deal. That's our New Orleans Saints lead story of the day today with Ross Jackson of Locked on Saints. So the Saints bring back P.J. Williams. This is a one-year deal, $2 million, fully guaranteed. And while not a lot of Saints fans are going to be very happy about this signing as they have still a lot of memories of P.J. Williams not playing very well on the outside, this is a signing that makes perfect sense. We mentioned just a few days ago with the teleconference call that Sean Payton did with New Orleans media that more than certainly they were going to be looking at the cornerback market. This is a player that they're very familiar with that clearly they trust. They brought him back on a one-year contract last year. They're bringing him back on another one-year contract fully guaranteed this year. So clearly they have a good relationship with P.J. Williams. He was a draft pick for the team as well. He's somebody that started on the outside, then they ended up moving to the slot, and he seemed to really get comfortable in the slot beginning in 2017. So with that being the case, this is a signing that makes perfect sense for the Saints. Now they can bring somebody in that already knows the system, already knows the scheme, is already comfortable with what it is that the team likes to do, particularly from a position that they were clearly interested in upgrading. You can see the fact that they tried to bring in Chris Harris Jr., who eventually ended up going to to Los Angeles to join the Chargers anyway. Now they get their slot cornerback from last year back, and who knows if he's even going to start in the slot. Certainly he'll compete for that starting position, but with how well C.J. Gardner-Johnson played the position toward the end of the season, with having Malcolm Jenkins back in who can operate in the slot as well, it'll be interesting to see where the share of slot snaps really ends up giving most of its weight. But certainly you're going to see a few different faces play in the slot here. And we know that P.J. Williams has struggled on the outside throughout his career. He showed toward the end of last year, uh, the end of last season, that he can play safety if you need him to do that in a pinch. He played 75 snaps at free safety in 2019. 74 of them came during week 16 and 17 of last year when uh, Marcus Williams and Von Bell were both injured at one point. So with that being the case, you know that he's a versatile piece that can move around. He's somebody that's going to compete for that slot position, but is very likely going to end up being, for the most part, valuable and versatile depth for this team. We've been talking about so far over the offseason that the Saints did a great job at addressing their outside corner position in terms of their starter with making sure that they could keep Janoris Jenkins at a more, let's say, reasonable price or team-friendly price than the original 
$25 million that he was in store for. So you have your cornerback two opposite Marshawn Lattimore. But then for a while there, you just simply didn't have depth. PJ Williams was not on the roster. Eli Apple was gone. He was signing with the Las Vegas Raiders. He's back on the market now after not being able to reach an actual full-on deal with the Raiders, even though they had agreed to terms. They weren't able to get the contract done, so he's back on the market. But for the Saints, this is a move that they needed. This is somebody that they were able to bring in that can be valuable depth and again that they're familiar with which has been a huge theme so far for the Saints in this offseason either focusing on in-house free agents or bringing in free agents and available players that have had some connection to the team in the past you look at Michael Burton you look at uh, Malcolm Jenkins Emmanuel Sanders even is somebody that the Saints have just simply been after for three seasons three years or so so this is not a big surprise and this is not a bad move I'm seeing a lot of people really attack this move as something that is uh, bad for the Saints. And look, no signing is bad for a team. Having a body there is better than not having a body there. And having a cheap body there is better than spending money on somebody that you have to teach the system, hope will fit into the system, and just as importantly, hope will fit in in the locker room. You don't have to worry about any of that with P.J. Williams, and you get him for only $2 million this season. So it's a good signing by the Saints. It's a good move by the Saints to make sure that they have and essentially return a defense that was more than serviceable last year, and now you have Joris Jenkins as a full-time starter over those 16 games, and you've added Malcolm Jenkins. So this is sure to be a secondary that's going to continue to take another step forward in 2020. And PJ Williams only helps that with continuity, familiarity, and versatility. So the Saints may have actually done a good job here putting together the final piece of the secondary that they needed to feel comfortable going into the NFL draft. With that being the case, I want to focus mainly on linebacker, wide receiver, and offensive line as we look at the third round. Certainly the Saints can still look at a cornerback in the third or even as early as the first, but it seems to make more sense to me that they would go for cornerback later on in the round. So coming up here in just a moment, we'll go through our prospect watch per round. We'll start off with one player in the third round at each linebacker, wide receiver, and offensive line. Get that coming up for you right here on Locked on Saints, your team every day. All right, y'all. So we're continuing our prospect watch going round by round here. We've done round one, round two, and now I want to take a look at round three, but I'm going to narrow it down to just three prospects here. We want to look at linebacker, offensive line, and wide receivers. So let's start at linebacker over on the defensive di- uh, on the defensive side, as we so often do. And I want to start with a guy that you've heard me talk about before, but I just want to take a moment to get a little bit deeper into conversation about, and that's Akeem Davis Gaither, linebacker out of Appalachian State. Six foot one, 224 pounds. So he's kind of that same size range as uh, Patrick Queen out of LSU. So they're both a little bit undersized guys, but you can afford to do that in the third round more than you can in the first round. And simply put, Patrick Queen just has all of the things that help make up for size, while Akeem Davis-Gaither still has some things that he'll need to sort of figure out. He doesn't really have the the uh, sort of overall talent in terms of speed, tenacity, all those things that Patrick Queen has to help him make up for his size. So that's why Akeem Davis-Gaither, despite being a similar player, is going to be a little bit closer toward the third round range as opposed to being a potential first round, second round guy. So with that being the case, a couple of things that he needs to, that he'll need to improve upon as he comes into the NFL. First of all, coverage. He's not an outstanding coverage linebacker. He absolutely can do that for you, but he's not, he's a little bit more actually, despite his size, 
size, more of an effective pass rusher, and more of an effective run defender. So that's one of the things that makes him a safer pick in the third round as a run-first focused linebacker that can be an off-ball guy as well. So taking a look at his stats over the past couple of seasons, 2018, 96 tackles, 9.5 for a loss with 1.5 sacks. But then in 2019, he went over 100 tackles at 101 with 14.5 tackles for a loss and 5 sacks. Also had an interception and 8 passes defended as well. So he was very, very busy in 2019. Went to the New Orleans Bowl as well with Appalachian State. So this is a guy that's really, really, really a trustworthy big-time leader for his program. Now coming into the NFL, that is exactly the type of desired personality that you want coming into a locker room much like the one in New Orleans. So let's say the Saints were to pass on linebacker in the first round and maybe go wide receiver. Let's say that they just have to go with a guy like Justin Jefferson who might still be on the board. That can actually work out because later on in the draft when they come back around in the third round, whether they trade up or stand pat at number 88, you can still get a guy like Akeem Davis-Gaither that could be a big-time playmaker for your defense. So that's a name to keep in mind. Now let's jump over to the offensive side. Let's go with the offensive line. A guy that I'm actually really, really excited about and don't hear as much as I wish uh, we would hear about is uh, Matthew Pert, Matt Pert out of Connecticut, six foot seven, 318 pounds, 36 and five eighths, five eighth inch arms. Sorry, very hard to say. 36 and five eighth inch arms, incredibly long arms, incredible length, and he uses that to his advantage at all times. He is a towering towering tackle but a lot of players a lot of teams in the NFL might end up seeing him as somebody that can move to the interior and start there as a pro and then build into a starting tackle so that's kind of fits the profile that we are looking for in terms of what we're looking at in the show for offensive linemen somebody that can play that guard tackle swing position or maybe that can start as a guard so that you have that increased depth there and you have that healthy depth on the interior but then can move into the tackle position at a later time in the future. So he offers that swing tackle flexibility, which is really, really important. He's a four-year starter as well. And again, just has, and he's another guy that's a personality guy, that's a demeanor guy that would fit really, really well in the Saints locker room. So Matt Pert, Akeem Davis-Gaither, two really good high-character guys that you can bring in that can be versatile pieces on offense and on defense for Akeem Davis-Gaither's point, uh, and really kind of serve this team in different roles immediately than what they could potentially serve long-term. And that's exactly the type of player that you want to see being added to this team at this moment. Now let's go a different direction here in terms of wide receiver. Not necessarily looking for somebody that's going to serve a different role when they come into the NFL and then uh, you know and then over long term because you've got Michael Thomas for long term. You know, you've only got Emmanuel Sanders basically essentially for a year, I imagine, maybe two years if the contract actually extends that long. But if the contract is built like what we saw for Jared Cook, you could see him potentially getting most of his pay in the first year in terms of guaranteed money and then being able to sort of cut loose after that first season. So if that's the case, you might want somebody that can turn into a solid number two receiver, but that could come in and also play that number two role immediately. I got to go with a guy like Florida's Van Jefferson. You've heard me talk about Van Jefferson before. Happy to talk about him again. Fantastic route runner. One of the best in the NFL. Um, one of the best in the NFL. One of the best in the NFL draft class coming into this, coming into the NFL. Uh, probably the only other player that really rivals him as a route runner would probably be Courtney Davis. But as we've talked about, Van Jefferson's hands 
are just so, so much better. Very crisp route runner. He's a veteran guy in the NFL coming in or uh, in college, coming into the NFL at 24 years old. So he's a little bit older than most of the guys that he's played that he's played with. So that really kind of gives you a little bit of concern in terms of how much he can develop. But do you need him to develop that much more? Or do you really just need him to sort of finesse his game a little bit to match the pro style and the pro speed? And then from there, give him what he needs to succeed in your system. I think that the latter is more so what you can do with Van Jefferson because he's going to bring a lot of talent already to your team and to your scheme. So you just bring him in and allow him to do his work and allow him to compliment other guys like Michael Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, and Jared Cook by giving you somebody that can create separation. That's a crisp route runner, just like your other two starting wide receivers, and that can continue to do that for you throughout the long, throughout his long term with the team. So there you go. Three very, very good players at very deep positions in this draft. And Akeem Davis Gaither at linebacker, Matthew Pert at offensive line, and Van Jefferson at wide receiver. It's very possible to get any of these guys in the third round with or without a trade up for the Saints. They could stamp pat at number 88 and potentially get a swing at two of the three, or they could trade up and ensure themselves an option at one of these three guys that can come in and again, have a role immediately that turns into either by changing or by simply remaining the same in Van Jefferson's case, turn into a long-term role with the team as well. So that's going to do it for this segment. Coming up next, we're going to get into your questions from the Locked on Saints Facebook group. we got that coming up for you right here on Locked on Saints, your team every day. All right, family, let's go ahead and wrap it up with your questions from the Locked on Saints Facebook group. As always, if you want to take part in the Q&As like this, just join the Locked on Saints Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Locked on Saints. I think I should be able to get through everybody's questions here today because a few of y'all, let me acknowledge this first, were really, really thoughtful and asking about my family uh, you know, how, how's my mom and them, like all of that. So let me, let me actually start there and say thank you to Brandon, uh, to Zach and Fernando who all asked about that as well. And so, so here at home where I'm at, things are good. Uh, my fiance and I are, are just fine, staying happy, healthy. Our dog has never been happier because we're literally home all the time and she has never experienced that before. So, uh, so that's all been great. As for like the rest of my family, my mom and my dad, everybody's good. My mom is a uh, lung cancer survivor. So I've been a little uh, worried about her, but she's been in staying clean, staying, you know, keeping her hands clean, not touching her face, like staying inside, doing all the thing, avoiding contact with people. So everybody's good. So I just want to start off by saying thank you to everybody who who asked me about that. But uh, let's jump into the questions here. Brandon Simmons um, amongst that question also asked a couple of other questions. Let's run through these real quick. Uh, Is linebacker the weakest link for the team? For me, yes. And it doesn't really come down to talent because the talent's there. Demario Davis, Alex Anzalone, uh, uh, Kiko Alonso, even Kirk Robertson to an extent, and they have some young promising guys too in Caden Ellis and Chase Hansen. But for me, it's the weakest link because of health. It's the weakest link because of injuries. I mean, you've got Demario Davis, who's perfectly fine and has been healthy, but behind him, you've got Craig Robertson, who's been healthy through for the most part throughout his career. But then really everybody else has been dealing with injuries. Those other four guys that I mentioned, Alex Anzalone, Kiko Alonso, uh, Chase Hansen, and, and uh, Caden Ellis all had their seasons cut short. Caden, I mean, I'm sorry, Chase Hansen didn't even get to start. He came in on the uh, non-football injury list and then never got to play throughout the season. So while I'm excited for guys like Caden Ellis to come back and be able to show something and be healthy and, and show what he can contribute, 
I still think that linebacker is a pretty weak spot on the roster, if not the weakest spot on the roster. And it's one of the reasons why I look forward to them addressing it come the draft, should they decide to do so. Uh, Next, Brandon asks, Coach Payton said that he will bring in a third quarterback. Do you feel like it'll be the draft or free agency? For me, I think the most likely thing is free agency, but there's a third market that I don't want us to forget about here and that I think is also pretty likely, and it's the trade market. Now, we saw the Saints do this a couple years ago with Teddy Bridgewater after the preseason trading to get him into, uh, into New Orleans. You're going to have a few teams like the Dolphins, uh, potentially maybe the Colts. I don't know if they will, but potentially the Colts and a few other teams that are going to draft quarterbacks. And then eventually they're going to have a stable room of quarterbacks that they need to either start to release or that could go up for trade if the Saints wanted to make sure that they were able to, to grab those guys. So after the draft, if they wanted to put any of the future capital in terms of 2021 picks, knowing that they're going to get compensatory picks next season, Uh, If they wanted to put any of those up to bring a guy like a Josh Rosen or even this would be wild, but a Jacoby Brissett or, you know, they're not going to be able to pay Jacoby Brissett. But you know what I mean? Those guys that are, you know, on rosters right now that could become either cut after the draft or available after the draft. I don't want to rule that out as well. But to me, what seems most likely is a free agent. But, you know, I, I wouldn't mind a, a late quarterback either, or James Morgan, or potentially a, uh, an Anthony Gordon. I would love to see Jalen Hurts in New Orleans, and y'all know that. So there's a couple of different options there as well. And then final question from Brandon, do you feel that AK will get an extension before camp? Uh, before camp, no. If he is going to get an extension this offseason, it'll probably be before the season begins. At, you know, they'll work on it during camp, because usually they don't even start talking about extensions until they actually report to the facility, which would be the beginning of camp, if that makes sense. So with that being the case, I don't think it'll be before camp. And I'm also curious to see if if uh, AK even gets his extension this offseason, especially with all of the changes that are coming to the salary cap soon, as well as everything that's going on in terms of what happened with Melvin Gordon, who held out for a better contract, didn't get nearly the amount of money that he wanted, even though he still got good money when he eventually ended with it, ended up with the team in Denver. So I'll be curious to see how the upcoming humongous changes that could potentially come for the salary cap, as well as what happened with Melvin Gordon, feed into particular uh, contracts like AKs because of the running back situation in the NFL. Let's go to Sean Militello's question. He asked, do you feel like the Saints are settling if they draft a linebacker in the first settling no I would say that settling would be let's trade away all the draft picks for the season for future draft picks that's the only example of settling that I could really think of but uh, I know I don't think any position that the Saints decide to draft is going to be a settle uh, for me because any of those draft picks particularly at 24 and in the first is going to go towards improving the roster so do I think that they're settling no do I think that there are safer picks for the Saints sure they could go offensive line they could go linebacker and that's safer than the potential boom or bust that comes with a guy like a wide receiver or a corner but outside of that for me this that's still not really the same as settling it's just safer so that's kind of the way that I look at it um Galen Seals is up next he asks what sounds better Kenneth Murray and Jalen Hurts or T Higgins and Willie Gay Jr. for me that's easy Kenneth Murray Jalen Hurts and uh, there's a pretty wide margin between those two for me particularly because in this scenario you're talking about drafting T Higgins in the first round which I would never (laughs) I would absolutely never and then when it comes to Willie Gay Jr. I I like Willie Gay Jr. he's a heat-seeking missile when he's out on the field he's super fun to watch but the problem with him is simply just recognition and just sort of field intelligence is kind of my biggest thing for him. You know, I saw I saw the other day uh, Kenneth Murray get compared to Stephon Anthony as having like elite athleticism, but then slow processing speed, which to me is a little bit of an unfair comparison. But to me, Willie 
Gay Jr. is a really easy comparison for me to Stefan Anthony. As much as I like Willie Gay Jr., I think that he's somebody that can be a big-time boom or a big-time bust, much like Stefan Anthony proved to be, whereas Kenneth Murray, I feel like, has a little bit more of a, uh, a safer baseline uh, as a selection. So for me, out of those two, give me Kenneth Murray and uh, Jalen Hurts because I'll take potential future at those positions as opposed to stop gaps in T. Higgins and Willie Gay Jr. And then Zach Smith follows up with what receiver do you not want to see them select? So I kind of alluded to this in a moment, you know, a moment ago without going into detail about it with T. Higgins. But for me, it, it depends on draft position. If you can get T. Higgins in the third round, then 100%, I'm down. But I wouldn't spend a first rounder on T. Higgins because so far what we've seen from him after coming out of college and, and at college showing that he can be a big man and do big man things, which is really great. But outside of that, I haven't really seen anything on his tape that tells me that he's anything more than that. Yes, he's got some speed. Don't get me wrong. But that's that's neither here nor there in terms of what he can actually do to provide what the Saints will need, which is somebody that can catch a six-yard pass and then turn it into something, right? And we've seen T. Higgins do that, but not to the extent of guys like Jalen Rager, uh, Brandon Ayuk, Denzel Mims, Justin Jefferson, CeeDee Lamb, like those guys that to me are much better fits in the Saints offense than T. Higgins is. So if you're talking about first round picks only, if you're talking about like where I, uh, receivers I wouldn't want to see them select in the first round, T. Higgins falls in that list for me, and so does LaVisca Chenault. And it's not, uh, and I'm not criticizing LaVisca Chenault or anything like that. It's not a question of his skill. It's just a question of his medicals. It's a question of his health. Unfortunately, the guy was hurt a ton at Colorado, and Colorado continued to run him into the ground, and that's not going to do him well going into the NFL draft, especially under this current environment where there's not really a way to get any solid medicals on these players in terms of teams being able to have receivers and players meet with their team doctors. That's going to be a big thing. It's going to knock him down and why I would avoid him in the first round as well. And then the final question here comes from Tomaz who asks, if Breeze retires after this season, what would the impact for future years cap be? So for this, you have to look at the 2021 cap and that's pretty much where it's going to happen. It would be a 22.35 million, sorry, 22.65 million dollar dead cap hit if Drew Breeze retires after the 20. 20 season. I know that sounds like a lot, but also keep in mind that it's going to cost more than $36 million if he comes back in 2021 and then continues to kick the can down the road if they continue to restructure the contracts as well. So 22.65 sounds like a lot of money, but don't forget that next season is when the 17 game season is also supposed to start when that new TV money comes in. And there's estimates of the salary cap going up from $198 million, which is where it is right now, upwards of 220 to $240 million for each team. So that will easily eat up any of that $22.65 million and the Saints would quickly be out from under that start going into the 2022 season. So this is why a couple days ago, or maybe it was last week, we had the conversation about the way that the Saints are structuring contracts and they're specifically structuring contracts so that most of the guaranteed money, most of the guaranteed contracts are out of the way by the time they go into the 2022 and 2023 seasons. That seems to me to line up with when Drew Brees would no longer be on the books, as well as when the salary cap is going to see its biggest leap and its biggest bump forward. And with that, having the opportunity to continue to add major pieces around either a rookie quarterback or a very cheap quarterback, or potentially even just a Taysom Hill. And so in terms of what the salary cap impact is in terms of a number, it's $22.65 million in the 2021 salary cap. But in terms of the long-term sort of 
consequence, I guess you could say, it's not that dire simply because of what's about to happen with the new TV deals and what's going to happen with the salary cap subsequent to that. Oh, and also this does really coincide as well with the big extensions for guys like Ryan Ramchick and Marshawn uh, Lattimore as well, which we also discussed a couple of weeks ago. These all tend to line up in such a way that the Saints are going to be out from under it at the right time. And the timing should actually be pretty impeccable for the Saints to continue to be uh, contenders beyond the Drew Brees era. All right, y'all, that's going to do it for today's episode. Now that you're done here, make sure you tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on NFL. Get your daily download from Brian Peacock as well as Matt Williamson on everything going on around the league. That's going to do it for this week. I'll see you after the weekend. Please enjoy your weekend. Stay inside. Stay safe. Wash your hands. Wash your wrists. Take care of your family. All that good stuff. And uh, just more than anything else, just keep you and your loved ones and other people's loved ones uh, safe by making the right choices. So I will see y'all at the beginning of next week. We're going to have James Sammartino, an offensive guard from Dartmouth that I think is fantastic in this draft and has gone criminally undiscussed, much like his former teammate Matt Kasky last year, who y'all heard me talk about last year as well. Uh, so we'll have him on at some point throughout the week as well, probably Wednesday's episode, which I'm kind of using for interviews. And then we'll continue to look ahead to the draft and anything else that's going on in free agency as well. So we'll be back at the beginning of next week. But for now, thank you so much, everybody, as always, for coming through. Once again, I'm Ross Jackson. You can find me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how your mom and them. Tell your friends, family, and fellow Saints fans about the show. And if you haven't already, please take a moment to subscribe drop that five star rating and review i thank you so much for all your support and for helping grow this family this has been locked on saints and trust you that nation i'll holla at you